0: Hey everyone, it's Daisha. You're about to hear an episode we recorded a while back with conductor Joanne Folletta, who is celebrating her 20th anniversary with the Buffalo Philharmonic Orchestra. Yay, Joanne! She's going to teach us all about Nikolai Rimsky-Korsakov's piece Scheherazade. Uh, And, you know, I got curious because I realized we haven't had a lot of women conductors on the show, um, so I looked it up on the internet where everything is true. And uh, a 2014 survey found that out of 150 top conductors in the world, only five were women. I'm, I'm doubting that number has changed a whole lot in the last five years. So what do you guys think? New episode topic? Hit me up on the social medias and let me know what you think. Um, by the way, if you want to keep learning about this and other burning issues in classical music, make sure to subscribe to, rate, and review the show wherever you listen to it. And now... On with the show. There's a rumor going around that classical music can be hoity-toity. But here in the classical classroom, we beg to differ. Beethoven 5.
1: <laughs> the idea that classical music is a zone where we have to feel restricted or we have to act in a certain way. You know, that's not going to be helpful going forward. <laughs> Isaiah is shaking with excitement oh, here. I mean, there's just so many great parts of the opera. He asked me to play his favorite spot in the first moon of the Brahms. And then he said, I started using those licks in my guitar solos. It's
0: How to be classical music rock stars, because there's not enough of that in this business. Occasionally I would plug in the mandolin to my distortion pedals. <laughs> I don't change my voice. <laughs> You're talking to classical. I, I'm playing classical music now. I mean, it's, it's yeah. the same 12 notes. That's what's so cool about it. I'm Daisha Clay, a classical music newbie, and I'm trying to learn all I can about the music. Come learn with me and the classical music experts I invite into the Classical Classroom. Hello everyone and welcome to The Classical Classroom. I'm Daisha Clay and here with me today is Joanne Folletta. She's the music director of the Buffalo Philharmonic Orchestra and the Virginia Symphony Orchestra. (laughs) She's conducted over 100 orchestras in North America alone and more orchestras than you can shake a baton at all over the world. She's a strong advocate for up-and-coming musicians. Her conducting is featured on Numerous recordings, including the one you're going to be hearing throughout our show today, and her latest CD with the Buffalo Philharmonic called Built for Buffalo just came out. Joanne Folletta, welcome to the Classical Classroom.
1: Thank you, Daisha. I'm glad to be here. What are you going to be teaching me about today? Well, one of my favorite pieces, this is a piece I've loved since I was a child and I hope you're going to love it too. It's a piece by Rimsky-Korsakov called Scheherazade. Oh, and yeah. uh, as the name suggests, it's uh, based upon the character from the uh, fairy tale book of 1001 Nights.
0: Yeah. Well, I and I want to I want to talk about that because I I love that I guess I don't know what to call it, a collection of stories, but We've never talked about Rimsky-Korsakov on the show and and I have absolutely no frame of reference for him as a composer. Can you tell us sure. a little bit about him
1: and sure. why he has two last names? Well, that I can't answer. I've only <laughs> just known him as Rimsky, Nikolai Rimsky Korsakov. So, uh, a Russian composer from the Romantic period, late 19th century. He wrote this piece in 1888. Um, he's considered one of the greatest orchestrators of all time. And that's like saying uh, someone's the greatest sense of color in the music world. He's able to mix instruments together in a way that no one else could. It's dazzling. I mean, the effects he gets with the orchestra. And that's uh, one of his hallmarks. It's extraordinary music. And uh, an interesting thing about him, too, is that he was a sailor. He had another life as a sailor. And, and traveling the world by ship uh, gave him a very special interest in In uh, different places. So he was very intrigued by the Far East. And I think that's what inspired him to write this.
0: Ah, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask, like, why would someone who's, you know, with a clearly Russian name, have all of these Middle Eastern flavors and inspirations?
1: Um, Well, you know, it was partly his traveling, but I think that that book was so famous, Thousand and One Nights. It was actually written down in the ninth century. I mean, it's like this compendium of legends and fairy tales. But in the 18th century, it had been translated into other languages for the first time. Mm -hmm. And once Europe started to read these stories, they were entranced. I mean, they just, this is music. Uh, based on these stories, it transports you, as they do, to a land of enchantment. And mm-hmm. their stories of imagination and striking imagery. their uh, marvels of color and drama and love and magic, these really alluring tales. And they appeal to everyone. Uh, everyone reading them in their own language just fell in love with them. And one of the most wonderful aspects of these stories is that um, – the, they empower the oppressed. You know, the people mm-hmm. who who have the sort of least chance to succeed at the end do succeed. Mm-hmm. Maybe through the power of magic or magic of the thousand and one nights. And so they were extremely appealing to uh, people reading them. And I'm sure Rimsky-Korska felt the same way. It just was wonderful.
0: Well, speaking of those who are least... Uh, likely to succeed. Succeeding, we should talk about Shahrazad specifically, who
1: kind of frames yes.
0: this whole group of stories. Well, she, about that?
1: she's the hero of the story, and you know, it's it's kind of amazing that in the um, Persian world, I mean, where women really weren't very powerful, uh, she is the one who saves her country and and uh, changes uh, the um, caliph into someone who no longer is killing people and completely brings an end to his reign of terror. She saves herself, too. She saves herself, too. and she, that's,
0: that's the whole premise, yes, is, right, is she that does. she is trying to um, – he has, like, a different woman every night, essentially –
1: well, yes, you know that the the story is that the caliph was deceived by his first wife, and he's never forgiven women. So he's decided to marry a new wife every day and then kill her in the next the next morning. And you can imagine I mean, the chief courtier who's supposed to be supplying these women is distraught, and the whole the whole country, the kingdom, is distraught. I mean, this is awful. Or oh, they're losing all of these young, beautiful, wonderful young women. Mm-hmm. So the daughter of the courtier shahrazad who must be a very feisty young woman mm-hmm. tells her father send me next time and of course he resists he said no 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 never she said no no send me because maybe i can stop this but i think it's it's astonishing that in given the patriarchal nature of the culture the persian oh. culture that she assumes the key role and she does save herself and she saves her country
0: by telling uh, stories that are so yes. engaging that he, he keeps going,
1: well, what happened next? <laughs> I know, but, you know, she's very wise. She's always um, very careful to stop at a particularly good spot. And she tells him, oh, my husband, uh, let's. I'll continue tomorrow. It's late now. And he probably said the first night, well, okay, one more day and then I'll find out what happens. But she spins these stories for a thousand and one nights. And that's where the title comes from. She just keeps telling him more and more wonderful stories, fairy tales. And she is also very clever because she makes him the hero of some of them, too. I mean, <laughs> she fashions a person that's just like him, who's the hero. So so um, uh, you can imagine that this was something that ignited rimsky korsakovs imagination yeah. about creating a piece of music that would would tell the story.
0: So do you think, you had talked about how when these stories came over to Europe, people were, were just gaga about them. Yeah. Was that perhaps why he wanted, to, was, was it born out of that? Um, sort of popularity and excitement that, that he was maybe inspired to do this?
1: I think so. I th- I'm sure that played a major role. I mean, he knew how much people loved this. And actually, in the, at this time, the the late 19th century, people were really interested in the Far East. It had, had a kind of special mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, and even today, it seems like a mysterious place in many ways. But then, in the, the 19th century, it was kind of a land of enchantment, a shimmering, magical place yeah. that... Very few people had ever seen, but um, they imagined how, how wonderful it was. There's this little poem that I think is so beautiful written by Tristan Klingsor at that time. He talks about Asia mm-hmm. Asia, 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 old wonderland of fairy tales, where fantasy sleeps like an empress in her mysterious forest. Mm-hmm. I think that's wow. how people thought about Asia, that yeah. wild things, wonderful things, magical things could happen there, not like their life in a little town in Europe, you know, yeah. working away. And um, they just loved it. And, of course, you know, the the fact that uh, it was the poor people who, who were, were able to succeed in, in these fairy tales mm-hmm. really appealed to them. And um, that Rimsky went with it.
0: It fed that sense of mystery about about this part of the world that must have seemed so you know without things like the internet and it must have just created this this incredible place in in their in their minds
1: right so they imagined that almost anything could happen in this this wonderful place that they would never see in reality but they could dream about it
0: yeah well let's let's get to the music and you can walk me through it Where, where should we start
1: well, you know, first with the character of Shahrazad and the Sultan or the Caliph, uh, Shahrazad, people as they listen will will notice is the uh, the violin always the solo violin. The concertmaster tells that story, but the piece opens up with the character of the Caliph, and uh, he's very strong, and he's very angry, and he's very powerful. You know, he's not he's not a a warm and friendly man. Uh-huh. So right at the beginning we hear his character in the music, and here it is. Okay.
0: sounds like Darth Vader
1: yeah (laughs) he's definitely a man in control this man (laughs) so so, uh, what is wonderful is that uh, Scheherazade is a very young girl I mean we imagine she may be 16, 17 years old Mm -hmm. and uh, even though she's very brave she must be terrified at this point really terrified and she starts to tell her story once upon a time and here she is you. Mm-hmm. First story Uh is the sea and Sinbad's ship, Sinbad the Sailor. Uh And here, Rimsky-Korsakov, the sailor, really comes to the fore with music that makes us actually feel like we're on board a ship. Yeah.
0: Do do you know if he ever, like, took a trip to the part of the world where the story these stories took place. Oh, he or? did.
1: He definitely did. He, w- he uh-huh. went all over the world. In fact, we, we in Buffalo are very, very proud that he actually came to Niagara Falls, which is very close to oh, us. Wow. So he was a world traveler, and um, and he knew what it felt like to be on a ship. I mean, he loved to sail. Yeah. And you get the feeling as you listen to this music here that, that you can just feel the swell of the waves and the motion of the ship. hmm Oh, yeah. You can hear it.
0: sort of of yeah. characters
1: and he's really he's painting pictures of this music and yeah. and while he doesn't want to limit our imagination um, there's enough that's so clear that we can uh, make up our own stories based upon them mm-hmm. I mean, there's another story of course Sheherazade every every night is coming up with a continuation or another story um, you'll hear now different characters represented by the instruments by the bassoon the oboe the violins okay Okay,
0: this is my attempt at using stuff I've learned on the show. Is this leitmotif
1: that's happening? Yes, you could absolutely say that. This is okay. Shahrazad's motto. This is her leitmotif. Yeah. Uh, and it's her beginning another story. That's okay. how she always begins er, the story. Okay, I see. All right. Now, here's has different characters. The bassoon is a character in the tale. I mean, we could make it up ourselves. Um, and the other instruments then take over the, this story what's what's this story alibaba oh we don't know Maybe this is Alibaba. We don't know. We you know, he's not no, he doesn't know because Rimsky actually didn't want to give too many specifics because he thought it would be much more interesting for the listener to make up his own story.. Right. But we know it's some some character in the Thousand and One Nights. yeah, another character comes in, like Oboe. And He manages to get a kind of, as they used to say, oriental flavor to, to everything, so we know it's not something that's happening here, where we know it's happening in some far-off land. Right.
0: Can you talk about the instrumentation? You mentioned that he was masterful he was, at
1: using yeah. instruments. He, he was the supreme master of orchestration. I mean, he knew how to use the instruments, how to make them sound great, how to use them in, in ways that really brought them out to the, out to the fore of the orchestra so that, that we hear the oboe solo, we hear the bassoon solo, we hear the violins. They glitter. I mean, he creates a kind of tapestry that's shining and, and, uh, and uh, evocative and glittering, which a, a lot of composers didn't do, but he's he is using all of his skill in creating this this um, painting for us, um, and it's it makes for a very very interesting piece of music. Also very challenging for the orchestra, but fun to play and really fun to listen to.
0: It's so light and bouncy, like right here.
1: Then you know he's in the, the next example, he's telling yet another story. Of, she's telling him another story, Scheherazade, the story of the prince and the princess. And this is a, a, love, a love story where they they find each other and fall in love and then are separated and then finally get back together again. So you can hear very clearly the two characters in, in the next excerpt. Mm-hmm. May be the most romantic music in the piece. Very.
0: He's working those strings.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> now he was a violinist himself, I think, so he really oh. knew how to write for the violin. Cool. the, the theme of the prince, and then he's answered by the theme of the princess. It's just beautiful. Oh, that's great orchestration. I mean, he just, just is astonishingly gifted at that.
0: He's, everything is so, uh, I'm not sure what the technical term is, but it's very uh, mellifluous. Everything flows. Yes. It's very ornate, but it's very.
1: Yeah. You're absolutely right. It flows forward. I mean, he's giving us a wonderful m- uh, music with presence and, and, and impetus and te- taking us along with them, you know, on the story. Mm-hmm. But every detail is polished, too, and, mm-hmm. and just sheerly beautiful. So, so sort of gentle and complex at yeah. the same time. Yeah. And he just called this The Prince and the Princess and left it to, you know, our own a very fertile imaginations <laughs> to think about, you know, their story.
0: I like that he gives the listener sort of space and credit, you know, yes. like uh, sort of um, honors the intelligence of the listener and allows he does. them to fill in you that know, space. You
1: know, at first he had titles for the four movements and then he requested that in the in the publication that the titles not be put in there because he wanted people to be free and I think you right. were absolutely right. He had a lot of respect for the audience's uh, Intelligence and imagination, and and wanted them to to be free. Yeah, that's very cool. Uh, now the, the the next track, um, so again we're seeing the Sultan and Shahrazad together. The Sultan is still angry. You know, we, we, we get a little worried too. The Sultan still seems <laughs> in a bad mood, and he's still you know uh, kind of fussing about. And Shahrazad is also anxious too because she's worried. I mean, she's not. She's trying to soothe him. So we'll listen to this track. We can hear the two of them. And then responds to him because she's 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 anxious. It's wonderful how he gets different moods in her light motif, as you said. It's uh, the same music mostly, but it's, it sounds quite different.
0: What is that technique? That the is it a violinist?
1: Uh, yeah, that they're using where they're bowing two strings at the same time. Yeah, double and triple stops. That, that's very perceptive. They're they're actually playing uh, two or three notes at once, which is quite difficult on the violin. But as you heard there, it's it's very impressive. I mean, it's very very exciting to hear that. Yeah,
0: that's the coolest technique. Yeah, it just gets yeah, so much it's, flavor. it's very exciting. Yeah. yeah. Break here to remind you of our amazing website where you can do oh so many things, including but not limited to supporting the podcast with your dollars. Just go to classicalclassroomshow.com and look for the pink tip jar thingy in the upper right hand corner. Make a one time or recurring gift of your choosing. By the way, our friends at New Y made this website and they can make one for you too. They can also promote your business. Find out more about them at slash NW, that's N as in new, and W as in Y. And now back to my conversation with Joanne Folletta.
1: Now, in the final movement, again, we're sort of in the middle of some, you know, frenetic activity. You know, it sounds like a chase scene. We don't know what's (laughs) going on, but we know somebody's in danger and something is about to happen. And and, um, then towards the end of it, I mean, Sinbad's a character in this last movement. Um, His ship is caught in a storm. And again, we feel it's tossed about by the waves. It's, you know, really dangerous. Finally, it crashes on a rock and just is destroyed. I mean, the whole ship is just goes to pieces. Uh Um, And... uh, Rimsky-Korsakov said, actually, he wrote in the score, that this is the moment when the ship is destroyed that the sultan's heart finally is cracked open, and he realizes that after a thousand and one nights, he really loves Scheherazade and would never, ever imagine life without her anymore. Wow. So it's the kind of... um, Metaphor, I guess. This, this, the big moment when the ship crashes. Um, that finally the the sultan is able to let go of his anger forever, mm-hmm. and uh, this is a climactic moment at the end of the fourth movement. His resolve has cracked. Yeah. <laughs> but right now we're hearing this this great this ship tossed about by the waves. huge waves, you can tell from his writing. the moment of the crash. There it is. The ship goes to pieces on the rocks. But everything quiets down as if the Sultan has a moment of an epiphany. If you listen at the very end, his theme is being played, but it's very gentle. We hardly recognize it. <laughs> Shahrazad is happy. Now this is her final little song. How the two of them sing together. You hear the sultan's theme in the low strings and Jaherazad stays singing on top. Here's his theme. It's very gentle now. Wow. And it ends quietly. Parasad singing to the very end. And that's the end of our journey. It's a very
0: beautiful tale. <laughs> How long is that high note held? How many bars is that?
1: Oh, it's so many bars. And the, and the concertmaster, of course, who's playing this very difficult solo, is just playing and bowing up and down, up and down, and of course has to keep it perfectly, perfectly balanced and smooth uh, on a harmonic. I mean, that ending is very difficult for the concertmaster because Scheherazade is just, she's ecstatic now. I mean, she knows that that... Uh, she and, and the caliph will be together and that he's changed his ways and she's singing in the highest register I mean she's just floating with joy and uh, Rimsky writes it beautifully for the for the violin but very difficult the piece is filled with difficult things for the orchestra but um, difficult in a way that it's deeply satisfying to play a lot of fun to play and just filled with color and drama you really feel in the orchestra as you're acting out a play a yeah. play without words
0: yeah is that is that is that what led you to? You've been conducting uh, the Buffalo Philharmonic since '99. Is that mm-hmm. right? And That's right. what what led you to want to record this piece? Is it just that that it's.
1: Fund. Exactly. Yeah. exactly I mean at first it was a piece I knew from, from a, for a long time and I really loved it it was a story that appealed to me as a child but what I really wanted to record it for the reason is that it, it was able to show the Buffalo Philharmonic players as all as great soloists as great individual musicians and as a great orchestra together but there's so many so many great spots for violin for cello for oboe flute clarinet trumpet trombone so we were able to uh, highlight so many players, and um, and I like that because when I hear this, I see those players. I mean, I see their faces. I know how they play, and it's kind of a document of of where we were when we made this recording. Mm-hmm. That's that's really
0: neat. It's I love it. I love it. That was that was so much fun to go through. I was just smiling well, the whole time. Well, thank you. You know, I'm
1: I'm always fun. To, it's fun for me to talk about a piece yeah. like this, and you know, music can take you to wonderful places that uh, that are really in your mind. And it, the wonderful thing too, Daisha is that everybody goes someplace different. I mean, the music is not limiting. Yeah, you go to a place that you find, and uh, you know. Only only you can take yourself there with music. But but the composer leaves a lot of space to find your own way to your own mm-hmm. special island, let's say. Um, and music is, is the bridge.
0: That's always my favorite kind of writing. Like when I watch even a TV show or something like that, when the writers, they leave enough room for you to think. Or, yes. or you're reading a, a good book. There's the writer trust you enough to to know certain things and to be able to fill in the blanks with your own imagination
1: and that's right you know, and that way it's yeah. different for everybody which is what i love about music uh, since it's not so specific mm-hmm. um, people get different things from different pieces and uh, and it and they're the only ones who can tell their own story yeah. and that that's a beautiful thing about something like music that is not not it's not wordy. It's not filled with words and descriptions. The descriptions are are uh, just the beautiful sound around you.
0: Well, speaking of stories, um before we go, uh, we're we're recording this episode right at the end of Women's History Month. And I, I feel like I would be remiss not to ask you about your story, your experience as a female conductor, which is unfortunately, I think still sort of a rare
1: thing, isn't it?
0: Uh, and you know, it
1: is still still kind of rare, and I'm I, I'm really kind of surprised about that, I have to tell you, because when I was starting out, I thought, why now? There would be just as many women on the podium as men, but it hasn't happened, and it's, a, you know, classical music is a conservative, conservative art form, but I feel very lucky. I fell in love with the orchestra when I was about nine years old, and I decided then I had to be a conductor because I wanted to be in the middle of that group. I wanted to be in the middle of that sound. I wanted to be in a way a catalyst or somebody who would help all these musicians come together and create something extraordinary. Mm-hmm. So that's what I wanted to do. And I just persisted. And, and I didn't realize that really when I was studying, there weren't many women on the podium at all. And um, I just didn't know that. And my parents were not musicians. They didn't know either. And the first <laughs> I heard of it was when I was 18 and I went to the conservatory. Um, and they said, well, you know, this is kind of this is unusual still that they're not, you know, women don't conduct many orchestras. But, you know, like most 18-year-olds, I was not deterred by that. I, I was in love with the orchestra. I, I had to do it. And I'm very grateful to both the Manus College of Music and to the Juilliard School for uh, letting me study there. And uh, that was the beginning of this kind of journey in music and i feel very very lucky i mean I, th- I think that um yes it's maybe been a little different for women but i've always made a very strong point of not looking for um the prejudice let's say because mm-hmm. we can always find all of us can find prejudice if we look for it but, right but to be focused on the the great privilege of being involved in this kind of of uh, of a heritage that we have, the symphony orchestra. Mm-hmm.
0: I think there's a wonderful attitude. I mean, I think that, that, you know, like you said, if you look for prejudice,
1: sure, you're going to find it.
0: <laughs> <Right>. Or <laughs> but, imagine
1: it too. Then, you know, you start to to imagine it, and it gets in the way of of your, your working. Well, and there's focused. no better way
0: to kill prejudice than to just do an amazing job at what you do right right you
1: know? right and stay focused on 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 what's important so so I feel lucky I think if I'd been born even 20 years before 25 years before I wouldn't have had the possibility of of working with orchestras on this level but yeah. uh but I feel very lucky, and I think certainly things will be easier now for for young women who are entering the field, and and uh, they'll have more they'll have more opportunity.
0: Well, and you're you're working to sort of make sure that that happens. I noticed you were involved in different programs to get I mean, young musicians in general. Yeah, um,
1: absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and to keep to keep encouraging young musicians and to keep music in our culture classical music in our culture because it's so it is so inspiring it brings people together and it keeps us focused on 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 what's beautiful in the world and that's yeah. very important very I,
0: I completely agree well Joanne Folletta it has been an absolute pleasure this has been such a great conversation thank you so much for being on The Classical thank Classroom you. thank you Desha I've had a great time talking to you thanks for inviting me yeah absolutely we hope you'll come back sometime when you want to talk about something else Thank you. All right. All right, everyone. That's it for this episode. For more episodes, go to classicalclassroomshow.com and or subscribe to us wherever you listen. If you're on our website, you can find links to our social media. Follow us, won't you? Thanks to the home of Classical Classroom, King FM, where we have to move out of our building right now. And if you want to help pay for the moving van, because that's how it works when you move a radio station, go to org slash the campaign and uh, help us out because radio sounds a whole lot better when it's not broadcast from a yurt. Thanks to the birthplace of Classical Classroom, Houston Public Media. Thanks to the official breakdance popcorn provider of Classical Classroom, Pappy's Popped Corn. We pop and lock. Thanks to Joanne Folletta for being on the show. Thanks to me for saying words. But most of all, thanks to you for listening. We'll catch you next time.